0: Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. It's been quite a stretch, Drew, the last week.
1: It it really has. I think the last time we recorded, we were on here with Will Gottlieb. The Bulls had just beaten the Boston Celtics at home, and we started talking about the doom and gloom of this, uh, what was a six-game road trip, starting with uh, the game against Milwaukee, which they ended up winning, and I think that really kind of maybe turn some definitely turn some heads when you kind of get, when you stack signature wins back to back like that, especially on uh, one of those coming on the road against the team that took you out in five games in the playoffs, you know, that, that can kind of smooth over some of the issues that a lot of Bulls fans were, were having with this team, not solving any issues necessarily, but just kind of making, making people feel a little bit better about things. Um, and then you go out and kind of have a letdown against the Thunder. Uh, you know, that's not to despair as team that they are, or the player specifically that Shea, Shea Gilders-Alexander is, but it's a game that on paper you feel like the Bulls should win. And then last night, <laughs> Monday, Laurie Marketing goes February in the first half. I think he missed one shot, five threes. Um, he just was torching the Bulls, but in that area but able to get out of there with a victory um kobe white as we'll discuss later on had uh, played a big role in that coming off the bench um zach's still struggling with it with his efficiency and um kind of that explosiveness at the rim although we did see him catch a lob so that was good to see but um you know it's, it's kind of the, the theme of the season it's kind of back and forth uh ebbs and flows waxing and waning um yeah that we cool. that we've seen to this point
0: well, you know, you, you mentioned the, the last three games, and I think it, it perfectly captures a team that's now 9-11 and 11 through roughly the first quarter of the season, right? Like, usually those teams that are hovering around the 500 mark, they play down to their competition, they can play up in certain games, right? So when those big teams come into town or you're going on the road to face stiff competition... You tend to play up for it. And then when you go to a a young hungry team that you think you can steamroll, that's where you get trapped and Hey, the bulls are finally beating the top tier teams, but unlike last year, they're not taking care of business against those other teams and you're seeing the difference record wise. And I mean, it's, it's made for a lot of fodder that I know we're going to get into uh, later in this, in this episode, but um. I wanted to to touch on one thing here, because you brought up Kobe White. Um, he hit some big shots against the Milwaukee Bucks, and then against Utah, had a really good performance down the stretch against the Jazz. I got to admit, I've always been Kobe White's supporter, and deep down, I really want him to do well, because I think in any other situation with a, with a better roster construction, he could be a very valuable piece because he can get hot in stretches and you need a guy like that. And I've just been very pleased to see what, what he's done. What have been your thoughts with Kobe white since he's uh, come back from injury?
1: Uh well, specifically just these last few games, um, just his shot making, especially against the bucks, a team who he struggled against in the playoffs. Um, I think it's hustle as well. Is it his, his, his knack, I guess, for lack of a better word, of going after the 50-50 balls um, since he's been back, kind of throwing this, throwing caution to the wind um, has really kind of stuck out to me. Uh, but then also, Billy Donovan kind of rewarding that and having him on the floor late in two out of the last three games, um, you know, at, at Io DeSumo's expense, who's mm-hmm. kind of gone through a little bit of a lull here um, lately, but I feel like ever since Acme made those trades an off season to go where they brought in DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball to pair with um, the rest of the team, but specifically Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic, I think it it put Kobe White in a position where he was, he should have been able to perform at his highest, his, his highest level where, where in that role where he's, coming off the bench and supplying with scoring and with this team, especially his three point shooting. So, um, kind of just seeing that come to fruition right now, I, I think it's probably dangerous to get too high because we've seen Kobe kind of go through highs and lows in his career. Um, but it's a good sign though, for sure. I mean, I don't want to you know, throw cold water on anything cause, uh, he-, he played a big part in getting the bulls, uh, their last two wins.
0: hmm And, you know, you, you make a good point there. You, you you do have to be cautiously optimistic because we, we have seen these types of performances in the past. I, I think the one thing that you brought up there, um his hustle with the 50-50 balls, is he the best defender in the world? No, but you've seen the hustle on the defensive end, which is all you you can ask for somebody like Kobe. Like I think you know, coming into it, he's not the best defender. So you, you take what you can get, right? Um, and you know, you you actually tweeted out something and I I'm referencing it here. I just pulled it up. Um, just before the win against the Jazz, you pointed out the uh comparison of Io's first nine games versus his last nine games this season. And I think it's something interesting for Bulls fans to to take note of. And and you mentioned that in his first nine games, I would assume it was averaging About 12 points a game, shooting just under 41% from three point range on 3.6 attempts per game, and was shooting about 56% in the restricted area. And you look at these last nine games, he's averaging under 10 points, shooting 24% from three on 3.2 attempts, and 77% in the restricted area. You know, we mentioned this early in the season when IO was kind of coming on strong, that maybe it wouldn't be that sustainable, that there might be still some hiccups. You know, a lot of the second year players in the NBA, they go through the sophomore slump. That does happen. So, you know, maybe we're seeing that now, but this kind of uptick from Kobe might be coming at a good time where a young player like IO might be able to course correct while Kobe gets those minutes, while Goran Dragic maybe gets those minutes.
1: Yeah, I, I I still I like the way that he's getting to the basket. Yeah, um, I haven't been able to look at all the stats, but I feel like if it's not Demar, it's definitely Io in terms of leading the team in, in kind of rim attempts as we've seen
0: um, throughout this last stretch of games. But although I almost lost it last night when he missed that wide open layup to the lane, like I was like.
2: <laughs>
1: Damn it. <laughs> I feel like he's had, like, he has a couple of those or maybe one of those every two, three games. Yeah. Um, Just blatant misses for whatever reason. I'm not sure if he's second-guessing dunking the ball or getting it off the rim. I'm sorry, uh, banking it off the backboard and just kind of laying it in over the rim. But I feel like we've noticed that more often than not um, this season. But um, you're right, though. The, the fact that he's kind of struggling right now, especially with his three-point shot, and Kobe is is kind of on the up and up with that right now. Couldn't come at a better time for this team. Um, and not to mention going Dragic coming off of that stinger. Um, was that against Boston? I want to say that was against Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, a lot was made about how many guards was on this team uh, when they signed going Dragic in the offseason. But now it's kind of looking like, you know, thank God that Acme did make that move for Dragic and that Kobe White is is um aside from that quiet injury for the most part has been healthy this year
0: yeah and it, it just goes to show you like that that bench can i think help you in a pinch when you need it right and it i guess sometimes like what you're seeing in these stretches or at least you know eye test wise i, I would love to maybe look and dive into more of the analytics behind this but you know you do kind of see like when Zach struggles or if DeMar struggles, like that's where, you know, things can go south. It's like if, if all, if, if they're performing well and you have this bench, you can get clicking real fast. Like after halftime, the bulls got clicking at that point and they really did take over the game against Utah. You just felt like now all systems are a go. One of the most interesting moves, I know I'm kind of going a little on a side tangent, really good correction saying, like, let's get AC on Laurie Markinon a little bit. And you saw February got shut down second half. <laughs> you know, that's one thing I always remembered from Laurie marketing. And I actually think I'm kind of eating a little more crow because this has been a pretty extended stretch from Laurie. So you can't knock him completely. Yeah. Um, But. You know, there are times where Larry would get hot real quick, and then you wouldn't hear from him the rest of the game. Now, he still put up eight points in the second half, but he was on pace, I thought, to get his career high, and it didn't <laughs> didn't happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had his, his first half career high, so he was well on his way, uh, or appeared to be, but you made a good point. Um, you know, putting a guy on him who obviously is shorter, but is much more physical, uh, he's not worried about anything else but getting into you and making life hell for you. So I think that had a lot to do with mm-hmm. um, marketing kind of, you know, quote, unquote, fall off in the second half.
0: So I know I went on the side tangent there, but I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. The I guess the point I'm trying to make with. Are the ups and downs happening this year? We talked about how they're kind of playing up against these big, you know, bigger competition playing down to some of the, the younger, hungrier teams or, or lower competition. I've, I'd i have to go back and look at all these games, but is everything kind of mirroring how well Zach and DeMar are playing in those games? And are they maybe the catalyst for kind of not coming with that energy every night? Um, like, I don't know if there's a way to really measure that or if if we have seen that, but I felt that way watching you know, the OKC game in certain stretches until it got into crunch time. And, you know, they were able to take a lead and they lost the lead. But, you know, it just feels like sometimes like you you brought up last week with Will, as Zach goes, so goes the Bulls. Right. And I, I guess I would add, like, maybe as Zach and DeMar go, that's how the Bulls go in those things. And I mean, it would make sense if we saw Billy Donovan call out those two and Nikola Vucevic for trying to, you know, get up in those games. So, you know, I, I hate to kind of question people's effort level, but at least my eye test, those are the only two sources I have, my right eye and my left eye when I <laughs> see it. But, you know, I don't know if there's any, you know, stats that would back that up or if there's anything that you know, we could see from efficiency-wise that backs that up. But I I definitely get that feeling when I'm watching them in, during this whole roller coaster ride. It seems like... They do dictate the pace a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think you're. I think that's you're warranted to to feel that way. And I'm gonna use Billy Donovan. You know him as you alluded to him calling out this team's big three before that Orlando game and telling them that, or telling the press that he basically he needs more from them. It's not about making starting lineup changes or Ayodele Sumu or Patrick Williams playing better. It's about the big three making sure that this team gets off to a better start. So. Because they are the face of the team, because they are, you know, so much of what drives this team offensively, I think it's only right that We do point to them in terms of where this team's energy and effort levels are because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, whether you want to say it falls on Zach individually or DeMar individually, this team is is only going to be as good as its three best players and it's three best players' ability to make things happen defensively.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, you
1: know, three guys who, you know, we don't have to beat a dead horse here. They're not known for their defense, but we have seen them make the effort to make plays, to be in the right position, to rebound the ball, to go after the 50-50 balls. We've seen that from them, but to Billy Donovan's point, it needs to be on a more consistent basis because once you show it, now there's no excuse. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's see let's so see you keep it up. Let's see you do this, you know, night in and night out so that you're not falling into these ruts where you're, you know, having to claw out of games against the Utah jazz um, or having to fight your way back against the San Antonio Spurs. Like it, you know, this is the NBA guys get paid to play as I have. I feel like I've said that every podcast for the last three, three or four times we've been on, but you know, the bulls, there's certain wins that they've left on the table. And it's mm-hmm. kind of weird because if, if we took a step back and just looked at where we each or where anybody had this team after 20 games, it's probably around this pocket of nine and eleven, but the wins and losses were yeah. shuffled in differently.
0: Yeah, it's it's the feeling, right? Like mm-hmm. um on paper, you're a hundred percent right. Like if you told me they'd be nine nine and eleven or around that mark in the first 20 games, I don't think I would be surprised. You know, maybe I would have thought, oh, well, those losses came against probably Boston. You know, they racked up against um, uh, Toronto. Like, I would have thought those better teams that they seem to have lost to last season. I I think that's where I would have pegged those losses. But it's one of the hardest things, I think, in the NBA after you have a, a successful season. Like, that's what separates some of these top tier teams from the rest is the consistent push and drive to just want to get better. And it's, it's nothing against like I do. I think Zach DeMar Vooch want to get better. Yes. Like individually. Yes. But it's hard in 82 game season to get up for everything. And and I know it's early in the season, but you know, think of it like this last year, they got off to such a hot start and then dwindled down the stretch. Right. Mm -hmm. So, don't tell me in the back of their minds, there probably isn't moments where they say, you know what? We need to preserve ourselves for a little bit later in the season. You know, the only problem with that is you find yourself in a hole, Um, you know, and, and we can get into this a little bit more with, you know, there's an article from the ringer that I definitely want to talk a little more about kind of talks about where the bulls are at now and and what that could mean as the rest of the season goes. But I'll say this nine and 11 through 20 games, There's been a lot of teams that have been in the playoffs and been in top seeded positions that have started like this. Um, I remember there were plenty of LeBron James led Cav teams and I get it. It's LeBron James. (laughs) I get it. But there were teams like that, that started out nine and 10 or 10 and you know, 15 and then all of a sudden hard charge down the stretch. So it can happen. Speaking of starting lineups, You and I have talked many times about one key starter in Patrick Williams. I feel like every episode he's come up. Um, If not every episode, almost every episode, right? Even dating back to the offseason. It's interesting. This last stretch since the Orlando game, he's been averaging double digits in points except for last night's game against Utah. Against Orlando, he had 12, 17 against Boston. And I thought looked very confident was getting, it seemed like, shots at will, even against guys like Jason Tatum, which is not easy to do. 11 against Milwaukee, 11 against OKC, and playing with that that same effort level on the defensive end of the floor. I thought last night, you know, you saw him struggle a little bit, but he had a, a key moment down the stretch with that steal and getting the uh, clear path foul. But that steal came at a key point in the game where Utah was starting to tighten the gap. What have been your thoughts with Patrick Williams so far in this latest stretch?
1: Just everything you, everything you said, um, you know, he, he's, he's told the media that he's feeling more comfortable and that, you know, playing with guys like DeMar and Zach and, and Nikola Vucevic is, is fun once you get the hang of it. And, and we're, I think we're seeing it in real time. Um, we're seeing a guy who I think is, is starting to click for now he recently made comments to Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago about how he, he feels like he can trend toward being a player who is not only a star, but a superstar. Um, you know, coming out and taking four shots and scoring five points. Not not exactly the the best double down, but I, I understand it's not about the very next game. It's about how he. Is. Kind of perceiving the game, but also there's a lot of confidence yeah. that's, that he made the KC that we haven't seen before a- until this point. It always been, Oh man, you know, my teammates and my coaches tell me this and that, but for him to say it about himself, I thought was, was really, was really big. Um, and obviously as, as, as Bulls fans can attest as you know, his, his teammates and his coaches can attest for him to take that next step. It, he has to, Mm-hmm. he has to get it in his head that he can be whoever he really wants to be in this league, you know, regardless, regardless of how many players are drawn up for him.
0: Yeah. Let me, let me read the quote for our listeners. So again, as, as Drew said, this was um, he told this to Casey Johnson of NBC sports, Chicago. Um, he said, quote, I told you, I was going to figure it out. I think I'm still figuring it out, but I'm hundred percent locked in on being the player I want to be. I always felt I had what it took to be a really good player in this league but now I'm starting to feel like I have what it takes to be a star and a superstar in this league. I'm kind of trying to take that role on and build it, uh, build on it day by day. End quote. Now um, he's got the skill set to be, I think a very, very good player in this league. I like star superstar. That's like a, a little questionable still to this point, but he has like, he has all the physical attributes, right? Like, if we lined up a bunch of just dudes in a lineup and, and you said, which one of these guys is a basketball player? I'd look at Patrick Williams and go, that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, you look at him, he looks like a, a ball player, right? He's long. He's, you know, athletically, like he just has it all. And he's, you know, muscular from like head to toe, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's you hope that switch is starting to flip because if it does start to flip, you know, it, it does add another wrinkle to this team. And and that's when we talk about the starting lineup being key, right? Or those DeMar, Vooch, DeRozan, or uh, Zach being the catalyst, right? If you start to add Patrick Williams as an X factor, who on those nights where maybe one of those guys isn't performing as well, or a couple of them aren't, and he picks up the slack, that changes the whole trajectory of this team. And that's what we've been waiting for, right? Is like, when he does that, then this team just takes a whole nother step into another, you know, stratosphere. I hope it's going to happen. Like, you know, hey, the Jazz game is what it is, but I do hope we start to see more performances where offensively he does find his way to pick his spots and take take charge a little bit. Um, you do realize it's hard to kind of find your spots sometimes. I, I can get it. Like, if I were in my twenties dealing with, you know, two egos and Zach and DeMar and somebody like Vooch who's an established veteran. I'd have a hard time. I think I'd have a hard time knowing what to do at 21 years old. Yeah. Kid can barely drink <laughs> legally.
1: Right. Right. No, you make a good point, man. If, if he can do the things you just, you just alluded to, I mean, it, it won't make up for Zach Levine still kind of finding himself in his rhythm and his explosiveness. It won't make up for the, the lack of three-point shooting that this team has, but it still widens that margin of error just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. And for this team, every little bit helps. Um, we've seen it where, it, you know, if, if DeMar's not having, you know, an MVP, MVP caliber, caliber game – they have to rely so much more heavily on their bench, on fast break points, on offensive rebounds, on second chance points, um, on the three-point shooting that we know they don't uh, do a lot. Uh, and sometimes they need DeMar to have the MVP game with all of that as well. But um, really, it really does, and we talked about this before, it really does every little thing that this team can have on its side in terms of an advantage, just, it means that much more. We're not, you know, I don't think either one of us are proclaiming them to be on their way to an NBA championship, but it does change how this team looks against some of the other teams in the league and, mm-hmm. you know, the possibilities of of what they can do um, both offensively and defensively.
0: Yeah. And I think it kind of goes into, and, and again, we got plenty of other stuff to talk about regarding like the current and future state of the bowls, just based off some, some things that have come out recently. But, you know, think about this. One of the reasons DeMar got, got signed and they acquired Vucevic is to try to accelerate the competitive window for the Bulls while Zach Levine is still in a younger window And while Patrick Williams is still in a younger window. So I think the way that, that this front office saw it was almost like a passing of the torch along the way, like where Vooch and DeMar's contracts are line up where the beginning of Zach's max was going to start right, right around that point. And where, you know, Patrick Williams would be starting to be in the, the latter years of his rookie deal or start, you know, maybe being in, in extension talks at that point. Right. Like I think that was probably in the back of their heads, you know, the route they wanted this to go, but you know, last year you you don't get that development from Patrick Williams. Part of that's because of an injury that he was out a good chunk of last season. And now the, the windows and timelines are not meshing up correctly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you make a great point too, in terms of the, the margin of error that's the thing with this Bulls team. The margin of error is so freaking thin from game to game. And if you just add a player who is able to, you know, he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to be Kawhi Leonard. Like some people want him to be. If he's just, you know, when we talked in the season preview with uh, Salim Sertawala, right. And he's like, well, it's not important with stats, but if you're talking about a guy who's consistently averaging, you know, 13 to 14 points a game and giving you you know five boards and and is active on the defensive end of the floor and just in the right place at the right time that that's what you want that's what you need with this group and you know that's i think we started to see some of that in this in this latest stretch um again utah was kind of a a, an anomaly based on what we've seen the last few games so um i don't know i'm I'm hopeful. Like, I, I feel like sometimes I come off as a, as a pessimist with Patrick Williams, but I'm always a show me type person. And I, I got to admit, like, I've, I've been impressed by what I've seen just in terms of consistency night yeah. in and night out with, in this latest stretch.
1: Same here. And I think it's, you know, stats are, are, are good because you can look at them and say, Oh, you know, this person did this and that. But I think even more even more than that, you can we're starting to feel Patrick Williams be out there beyond beyond the box scores. And that's something that um every Bulls fan is wanting to see. So from that standpoint, I believe he's he's trending in the right direction. Last night, notwithstanding, even though, like you said, he had a, a big play down the stretch with drawing that take foul.
0: Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see with these these upcoming games. And and I wanna We'll probably end the show talking about this upcoming stretch against the Suns, Warriors, and Kings and kind of where we feel with that. But there were two other storylines that kind of popped up in the last few days, really. Um, We'll start with the one that actually popped up today as we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, November 29th. Um, Middle of the day, Sham Sharania tweets that the Bulls and Billy Donovan agreed to an extension at some point during the off season. And funny story is, like, Drew sent me the tweet while I was in a meeting at work, and I actually came out of the meeting, and one of my coworkers, who's also a, a big, you know, Chicago sports fan, all he said to me, and I didn't see like the full tweet from Shams, so my coworker just says, "Hey, did you see what happened with Billy Donovan?" And I'm thinking like, oh, crap, did he get fired? Did something like bad happen? Like, did he get sick, have a heart attack or something? He's like, no, he got extended. And I'm like, just now? He's like, no, it happened before the season. And that started to come out that like this happened during at some point after the loss in the playoffs or before the the start of the regular season that they agreed to some extension, but it was kept secret. I mean. Why the hell is that a secret, Drew? Like, isn't that a good thing that they should be celebrating?
1: Yeah, that that caught me off guard, too. I think that was the the weirdest part about it. Um, When Shams tweeted that, I I feel like most, if not all, of Bulls Nation was just, like, rolling their eyes at it because they have shifted from drawing or, or directing their ire toward Nikola Vucevic from last season to... Billy Donovan this season. And, you know, opinions are opinions. Everybody's entitled to their own. Um, But I think that just kind of shifting this particular subject to another, another place. I think if you take a step back and you, and you think about Acme and how they've leaned really hard into the concept of continuity and you think about how Zach Levine just signed this max deal and before Billy Donovan got here, I think he had never had a coach for longer than two seasons,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, if I'm not mistaken. So I think it was only right that they extended him, however many years it ends up being. I don't think we ever got a a word on if it was two or three or
0: yeah, just just multi year. That's all we've heard. Yeah, yeah,
1: but I think it, it makes sense, you know. Um, it also feeds into this this idea that. And we'll get into this too. This this ties into the the Ringer article that Micah, Michael Michael Pena wrote. But um, you know they they don't look to be pivoting away from the direction they started when they traded for Nikola Vucevic a couple of years ago. I don't think they're that's not the plan. They they are. It looks like they're going to see this through and and hope and pray that Lonzo Ball gets back to where he was and returns to form. And same thing with Zach Levine. And they're going to try to you know. Keep yeah, moving forward from there.
0: It it does change the conversation quite a bit. Uh, you're 100% right because there's two episodes ago you and I were talking about, you know, if the Bulls took a downturn going into the new year, could Billy be on the hot seat? Because we were under the impression, you know, he's operating under his original contract. And now knowing that he's been extended, that definitely changes things Um, because I think he still had, what, two years left on that deal? Uh, three years left on that. Deal. I'm trying to remember. So he signed, I think it was a four-year contract originally, right?
1: It I'm gonna. Is. I'll look this up. I think next season would have been the last year. Of the, year.
0: Okay, yeah. So it was a four-year contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, you're thinking, okay, well, that's an easy contract to get out of. If there's one or two seasons left, that's that's something you can get out of, um, in the NBA, but you know if, if they tacked on two or three years i mean that's they they they've hitched their wagon to billy donovan yeah. um yeah, and does. there's worse wagons to hitch to i mean billy donovan is a is a good coach like yes we can talk about some of the things that we don't like and and we've mentioned it here like some of the ways he's handled rotations some of the ways he hasn't had like answers when there's things that that seem to be going wrong um but you can't Deny the fact that things did turn around under his watch as as head coach. So, um, even rewarding him after last season, it was well deserved. It's because we're operating now under this nine and eleven stretch we've been through for through the first twenty games. If this had been announced before the season, I don't think anybody would have blushed at all.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Let's let's not forget that Acme pivoted to Billy Donovan, like quick, fast, in a hurry. Once he and OKC agreed to part ways, like they didn't waste any time um, trying to kind of mm-hmm. to take a look at the Chicago Bulls job. So,
0: well, and he's a key stakeholder in a lot of the decisions they make. You can tell this is a this is a brain trust. Like it's it's Acme and Billy, like the three of them are the Chicago Bulls brain trust, and that's it's something I don't think we've ever seen with the Bulls in our lifetime. There's always been some kind of disconnect between head coach GM and then, you know, VP of basketball ops. Like, yeah. you know, we'd always hear like, well, Thibodeau wants to do this, but, you know, Gar Pax want to do this or, hey, you know, Gar really was the one that hired Hoiberg and, and Pax just signed off on it. You know, it was always like there's never been... Mutual agreement between the three parties. And and this is the first time probably ever with the Chicago Bulls. We've seen that.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. (laughs) Even, even Phil Jackson and and Krause.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, know, like the, it is kind of a new thought process in, in the organization. Um, And, you know, you mentioned like how, Um, It relates to the Ringer article. So I think it's probably a good segue into that because, again, the Ringer article came out yesterday on Monday. So again, Michael Pina wrote about the Chicago Bulls, and and he titled the article, The Bulls are the NBA's most depressing team. There you go, Bulls fans. Um, And it had the little subheading of, Chicago has backed itself into an uh, an unenviable corner. Eesh, tongue-tied and possibly the worst situation in the entire league changes could be coming soon. And when you sent me the link to that yesterday, I, I that was the first thing I read and I had to put it away for a little bit because I, you know, was in the middle of work and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to just digest this for a minute, but that, that hits heavy. Um, But again, this was written before this Billy Donovan news came out and the argument within the article is basically campaigning for a tank
1: it is because of this draft supposedly being pretty top heavy um if not even better that had a lot to do with it and just the the direction that things are going in so yeah yeah it was Mm -hmm. it was definitely uh kind of a drop in a bucket for the bulls to to tank more so than any other team in the league, which is, you know, as, as somebody who watches the Bulls consistently, it's a very sobering thought. Um, but what did you think when you finally read it through?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting argument. And I actually think, you know, for hitting as heavy and as much as I – I have some questions, and I, I do want to get to it. I do think he's making – I get the argument he's making. This is a, a draft that is top-heavy you have a, you know, top four protected pick. Meaning if you land in the lottery and you get one of those picks in the top four, Orlando's not getting it, right? Totally understand. So there, there could be value in just saying, let's tear the son of a bitch down to the studs. My only concern though is... Eh, It's a top four protected pick and even lottery odds scare the shit out of me. (laughs) So real quick, I actually, I want to read a block from this article, Drew. So what Pina wrote is let's not mince words. The window that cracked open after DeMar DeRozan was acquired is closed. If any team in the entire league should tank, it's this one. The first round pick they owe the magic in next year's draft is top four protected. Finishing with one of the three worst records in the league would guarantee a 52.1% chance to keep that pick in a draft that may transform the sport. The other side of this, according to 538 and basketball reference, is about a 40% shot making the playoffs. That ceiling isn't good enough. 40 wins in another early playoff exit, assuming they get out of the plan. But several roadblocks on the way there may be too tall even if the tepid projection is viewed as an actual accomplishment. Okay, so here's my thoughts on this. That, even lottery odds still worry me a little bit. Because if you do tear this down to the studs, and you end up with the number five pick because of the lottery balls, then shit, you are giving Orlando one of those transformative players that they're talking about. So that I think would go a long way in having Bulls fans really, really hate on this, this regime. Um, And I don't know if this regime, based on the fact that they extended Billy Donovan, and that would be a telltale sign that they're going to ride or die with this thing. And, you know, like we were talking with Will Gottlieb last week, it's probably going to be more of a direction of trying to acquire pieces that could help get them into the playoffs and maybe get them in a more comfortable position down the road. So it was interesting timing with this article, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I would try to tear it down to the studs. I mean, there are routes to do it, but I don't know. We, we can get into that maybe in a little bit, but to me, it might be a little too risky.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. It was a like you said, it was a very well written piece um, with very compelling arguments in 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 parts of it. But uh, again, I don't think that I'm in that camp that wants to see the Bulls tank, Um, even even knowing that their championship window as of today might be closed. I don't, I don't, I'm not ready for them to, to tank. I'm not ready for them to pivot and just do an about face on every move basically that they've made, um, since they came aboard. I just, I just, I just can't see a tank, man. I can't see a tank. I think things would have to get really bad in a hurry for them, for Acme to trade a major piece away. And again, because of the whole concept of the continuity. As long as they have hope that Lonzo Ball is going to come back at some point this season, I just don't see any way that they make a, a big change until that happens. Because they they went through the last half of last season talking about how they wanted to see this team as as whole as it can be. Um, mm-hmm. and even, even looking at that, we didn't even get a chance to see that last season because of Patrick Williams' injury. Um, guys in and out of lineup with COVID, Caruso getting hurt. Um, so we, we still, you know, knock on wood are waiting for this team to, to get hold so we can see it in all its complementary pieces mm-hmm. uh, in the mix as well.
0: Well, and I want to actually, I'm, I'm also going to cite Mark Karen uh, MK hoops for this because, um, you know, I thought of this too, as I was reading the piece and he kind of expanded on it. And I want to touch on some of what he even brought up. Um, you know, and it kind of builds off your point about seeing this through because are they really in a depressing spot when if it, the article suggested too, like you could right now take DeMar, take Vucevic, or take uh Zach Levine and spin them for future picks, right? So is that a bad scenario? Because now I was able to take two top tier players in the league and spin them for future draft capital and possibly add picks in what's supposed to be a very transformative draft. Like that kind of sounds weird to me, right? Like you're basically saying, Hey, you know, it's a very depressing spot, but Oh, it also has pieces where you could add draft capital in in a transformative draft. So if we were looking at Michael Pena's point, like, okay, well, if you tank now, you end up with a top four pick, maybe the number one pick because you tanked so good and you added picks, additional picks with trading Levine and trading DeMar. How is that depressing then? That actually is like, okay, hey, you were smart. You decided to to tank and you have the gumption to go on a, a full-blown tank. Good, good for you. Um, also, you know, to your point, like, there's still some stuff here that can salvage maybe getting into the playoffs. And I don't know if I agree that at least seeing this season through, that doesn't mean like next year, you're screwed next year could be the year that, you know, in the off season, some hard trades are made. You know, we, we talked a lot about, um, you know, Vooch Vooch's contract comes off the books, right. And you don't have to resign him if you don't want to, Um, you could easily take somebody like DeMar DeRozan. And I love what he brings to this team. But if you want, that could be your opportunity to make a, a seismic move that overhauls the makeup of the roster a little bit. Um, That's how a lot of teams do business. They course correct by doing these like slight retools. And that might be the route, the Chicago bulls goal go. So, I mean, to call it such a depressing situation, I think it's, I think it's a little short-sighted, little short-sighted, with everything yeah. right now.
1: I think there's some, you know, hyperbole in there for sure. Yeah. Um. I will say this though, I do think that the the big three, quote unquote, of of Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and Demar Rosen at some point is gonna have to be broken up. Somebody is gonna have to be swapped out because, although I think the defensive rating before tonight was the 10th best in the league. They're not giving you as a big three trio on the court together, what you thought you would get from them offensively, especially in terms of being a truly formidable team in the playoffs and and a, and a team that as presently constructed, you expect to advance. So I think, At some, like you see, you mentioned hard trades or hard moves. I think something's coming because, to this point, we haven't seen enough from those three as a unit to warrant this experiment continuing. And obviously, because they are big money players, um, with you know possible extension for for Vooch or re-signing Vooch, um, kind of the caveat, you have to move one of those guys in theory, to get something worthwhile coming back. Mm-hmm. No, I, just, and... I don't know what direction, but I feel like it's coming.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I agree with that. And, you know, this kind of goes to something else, too. And, again, this is where I really wanted to, to cite um, Mark um, because when I was reading that piece, I think what I kept asking myself was, well, wasn't the Bulls' plan really to, like, get into this win-now mode to draw... Attention that, hey, look, we're willing to be a destination that's going to going to pay you and going to try to get on the winning track again. And I'm just going to cite his tweet here. So this is what what MK Hoops, Mark Karen Zula said. And it's part of a, a longer thread he had in response to the column. And he said, last point, national media types always ask, where is this team going? But it's been clear for a while. Have a few fun years. Rebrand the franchise make Chicago a destination again, then pivot from there. And I think, you know, and he said, it's a multi-stage five to 10 year plan. Will it work? Time will tell. And that's how I've kind of always looked at this. I, I didn't see like this building of the core, their idea of going right now to win a championship. I thought it was to really draw people's attention and say, hey, we're willing to go get those veteran pieces to put together a respectable situation a winning situation and and I'm not I'm using quotes for people that are listening to this. It's winning in terms of being back in that competitive mold again, not necessarily getting to the championship window. I think that's coming at some point. I do. Call me a, a crazy optimist, but I do think there's a there's the short game and the long game and I think we're probably in the middle of like a, a longer game strategy. At least that's what I'm, I'm anticipating. Like I've kind of gotten that from the start. Um, So I do think what you're saying that I do think that move is coming. Uh, And I think we're going to be blown away when it happens. And, you know, it could be, you know, when you start shifting those pieces around, um, you know, I, I do wonder if in their eyes is one of these pieces worth accruing draft capital for, to make that other move. Like, um, you know, is it when I bring up DeMar, maybe it's not DeMar giving you a a young up and coming star. I don't think that's the move. I think it's the draft capital that you start to look at, like who's going to provide you the arsenal in picks and, you know, other assets that you can use, trade exceptions, things like that, that you can eventually use in larger trades for those other pieces, the, the, the big seismic pieces.
1: Agree. And those really is, is, is just Zach and Damar. mm-hmm And that point becomes <laughs> who's the better
0: piece to build around, you know? Well, and I think for me, it's Zach and I, and it's just because of age. Like I, there's some things right now that I I'm, I'm a little concerned with, with watching Zach, but I do think like that just has to, I think that's just maybe him recovering from his surgery right now. Like I'll give him the benefit of the doubt with that, but given his age um, and the contract you just signed him to, I think that's the person that you would hit your wagon to instead of somebody who's, you know, in their thirties. Um, and I, again, it, like, it sounds like I'm just shitting on DeMar DeRozan tonight, but truth is like, it's just reality. Like you eventually have to turn the page on, on that veteran. And, you know, we were saying like that natural order, I think was in the mind of, of the organization supposed to be handing it off to Patrick Williams to take that spot. Right. Um, So, you know, If that doesn't happen, I mean, it will be on the Bulls to decide what that next move is. Um, You know, I know a lot of people also are reacting, like, with Patrick Williams and, and Kobe White, they're looking at what happened with Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen and saying, well, this is why you have to stay patient. And I do agree with that. But I also think, like, different circumstances. These two players have been under this current regime longer than Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen were. Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen might have already been damaged goods from the Garpax-Boylan era, where these two guys are now under the player development of Acme and and Billy Donovan. So, you know, maybe they are a bit more patient. I think we're assuming because they let Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen go that they're going to do the same with these guys. We don't know that yet. We really don't. Maybe with Kobe White, but we don't know that with Patrick Williams because remember that's their guy. they drafted him, yeah. that brain trust was here when he came in. You know Kobe White wasn't Patrick Williams was so mm, I don't know if if they're going to you know necessarily part ways immediately with him, but I don't know. I kind of'm going in in different directions here, but point yeah. is it's. I do think this isn't uh I don't I do think this is a situation they want to see through and I think they will course correct to see it through at any point, you know, this season or in the offseason.
1: I think so too. When they're they've said as much, you know, the news of Billy Donovan having extended um them having extended Billy Don's, Donovan's contract this this past offseason is an action that shows it. Um they haven't given us any, any reason to believe that they're not gonna see this through. It's funny because it's almost like for lack of a better phrase, like they're victims of their own success that they, they had uh the first half of last last season. Um in that I don't I don't think any of us expected expected them to play that well from the jump. And when they did so, like just how that affected everything around the team, you know, the the desire that Acme has
0: to see this team back together and intact. This is where you want, is this where you think though sometimes executives sometimes just have to be transparent, like, (laughs) and look, they were transparent telling you, you know, we want to stay with our, our, our core intact. We want to see, what this group can do together when healthy. Right. And at, you know, their peak, you know, so they did tell you that, but sometimes you just wish like organizations would tell you the the full, the full plan, right? Like, look, we're doing this, but if this doesn't work next year will be interesting. Problem (laughs) is you tell play, you, you say that to the public, right. To the media, to the fans, You don't want the players then to go, shit, well, I could be out of here in a year. You you don't want that to happen. So I get why it doesn't happen. These are the moments where you kind of do wish you could be a fly on the wall. Because the conversations behind closed doors could be, hey, look, this year, let's stay status quo. But if we get to the trade deadline and things are kind of middling, we'll make moves. Or we'll let this thing ride through the whole season. And next summer, we're going to have a a slight overhaul of the roster. Like it's kind of setting up that way. The way the contracts are lined up for the rest of the players on the roster would kind of make sense that the reset button could be hit at the trade deadline or this off season. So yeah, like the, the doom and gloom of, oh crap, they're stuck with this, this, you know, this trio of Vooch, Damar, Zach, unless they, you know, cut bait now, they really don't have to
1: <laughs> like. No, nah, they don't. Butch is they don't. coming off is, the books. The yeah. last year. his contract next season. Um, Levine is still tradable. Like he's still a, a coveted asset. If if they wanted to go that route, right? To your earlier point, though, I think that because of his skill set, I think he would kind of be the the building. Not even just his age. Just like I said, because of his skill set and what he can do. Um, on two healthy knees, at least, you know, he, he is a type of player that lends himself to being able to play with a lot of other different players. Uh, you know, if you if you, if they do, this is a conversation for later on, but getting off DeMar. It. It was sting just because we we've seen him have a career year last season and continue some of those theatrics and heroics from last year to carry that into this season. But it would also, depending on who came back, it would change the dynamic of this team where they weren't so mid-range oriented Yes, and could could play more from the perimeter inside out.
0: Well, and that's the thing, like, is the shakeup, you know, if you ended up adding, like, I I don't know who, who a player is like off the top of my head, but let's just say, you know, three and D guy who averages 17 and gives you a lot of effort on the other end of the floor comes back in a trade. And you get maybe a a pick out of it too. I don't know. Something like that for DeMar. Hard to pass that up because maybe that's the better makeup with the current roster you have. Like if it's Zach, 3 and D guy, Patrick Williams, maybe that's a better, more sustainable core that allows you to, you know, at some point then add that superstar into the mix. You know, it, you know. The the only pause I'm having is
1: it's just Zach Levine, and and if he's supposed to be that number one guy, not even just apart from his his athletic abilities, just his basketball IQ, his attention to detail on defense, and his focus, his, his consistent focus, and just how that would shape up. Would it would it just be, and maybe this this kind of was the impetus for for Michael Pena writing what he wrote. If Zach is the guy again, are you just a little bit a little bit better than what you were before when he was already in that lead role you know
0: true i it, it's hard it's hard to know because has he evolved from that that point too like you know two years ago when they made these these moves or roughly two years ago right um you bring in vooch and you know, Vucin Levine down that stretch. And again, Zach missed some of that with COVID, but they were what fighting for a play-in spot at that point. But again, it, it is a slightly different roster makeup plus has Zach taken that step in those last two seasons? Um, Has he matured his game and just his, his approach to everything like it, We don't know. You kind of, I think, at some point have to see. Um, I would also kind of flip it where a lot of teams don't necessarily have that number one guy that's going to win you a title because they're the, the main catalyst, right? Like I think every team, by definition, most of them are stuck with one A's or number twos, and I think, you know, I'm not trying to rip with Zach and DeMar for this, but I think like they are like high end number twos right now. Maybe Zach is kind of like fringing onto number three, just based on where he's at health wise right now. But like, that's what the bulls have right now. And it's okay. Like to me, you could still make yourself desirable with that. You know, it's at least showing that you have some pieces that if a big name wanted to get out of their situation and look, that's, that's how the NBA works. Like, you really have to make yourself just an attractive piece of meat for a superstar. Like we can, you can, you know, draft your way there, like the warriors did, but hey, at some point they had to go get Kevin Durant. Right. Like that happened to sustain that success. And you know, that's, I feel like that's just how the NBA works. Like you kind of yeah. have to make yourself desirable for a star. That's how most of these teams are built.
1: Yeah. No, not wish we as we're as we're sitting here talking about this and, and Levine um kind of taking the helm of a team again, uh I'm, I'm thinking about like is there a way to get a souped up version of the group he plays with when he's running with the reserves? You know, another mm-hmm. playmaker out there in Dragic, um, you know, maybe two really heady defenders in Caruso, Devontae mm-hmm. Greene, dirty work guys who can also at times knock down open threes and then a a big time screen setter uh athletic big who can also present himself to be a, a vertical threat in andre drummond like is this some in an alternate universe a souped up version of that uh that the bulls could could find um to use on the court again this is thinking way past this season. I'm just, I'm just telling you where where my mind is going as we're we're thinking about all these different scenarios. Well,
0: and I I think to kind of put a bow on, on this part of the discussion, it's like, that's, I think what, what will be interesting because if things, now that we, we know Billy Donovan's extended, you know, that's a telltale sign. Like they, they are going to ride and die with us in some way. So, If things do take a turn where, when the calendar flips, we get to a point where, you know, the team is sub 500, playing range area, that'll tell you what you need to know. Are are some moves going to come that could shake up the roster construction? Um, You know, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Like, the one thing we've learned about Arturs Karnachovis and Mark Eversley since they've come to the Bulls, they will make moves. And and I get it. Like the trade deadline last year was quiet. This off season was kind of quiet. I mean, they still made, I think some decent moves, but you know where I think we saw seismic moves made that didn't happen, but it seems like when they don't like something or they really want to fix something, they go for it. Like we learned that with the Vooch trade and we learned that, you know, even outside the Vooch trade, think about it. They they went and made moves to try to improve the roster at that trade deadline. You know, they they went and got um Daniel Tyson and who was that uh, the the guard from Washington? Um ugh. that went to
1: Washington in the deal?
0: No, who was from Washington. He came from Washington. Um he played really well in the bubble. Um, a real shot chucker.
1: Uh not Troy Brown Jr.
0: Troy Brown Jr. Oh, was it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Troy Brown Jr. Like, they tried to make these small upgrades just to see, like, can we make the push into the, you know, into the play-in picture.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: when they want to do something, they want to see something through, they'll do it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I know some people are still sour on that, but I, I think they've shown that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I don't want to go any longer on this than than we need to, but I'm I'm so happy that you brought up the idea of the front office being transparent, or if they could be more transparent, because it, it makes me wonder: Have they have discussions? Have they had discussions behind closed doors about what it would take to get off of this roster or to to shake things up? Like, is there a, is there a certain amount of games on the five hundred, or um, you know, is there a certain seating or games away from the play in or games away from the six spot that they're looking at? Obviously, we can't get those answers, but I wonder if if that's in the back of those those guys' minds or if they talked about it.
0: God, I would love to know that. Like, kind of a, a side note, I would love if there was a a podcast or a real deep dive with maybe an executive who retires or is is been removed a little bit to just tell you like what are those conversations in the middle of a season, like hmm. what's going on in terms of scouting what's in the moment versus long term and like understanding like what do we have to do to to correct whatever situation we're in like are there those discussions like hey if we fall below this mark you know do we start looking at trade scenarios do we start looking at what are you know other options for next season like it would be great to see like somebody do a deep dive in that like hell if there was a podcast or something where you know they were interviewing an executive and they did like five parts of it i would eat that shit up to hear what that's like to to really run a team like that like how how frequent are those discussions during the, the course of a, a year it would be great to know
1: you need to pitch that to somebody
0: yeah get get zach low on the on the phone um <laughs> All right, so as we wrap up here, I wanted to just uh, finish up with like our confidence level here because um, the next three games, again finishing up this road trip, at the Suns, at the Warriors, and at the Kings. Um, and man, these are—it's interesting. The Kings, man, they're a story right now in the league. Um, they're a fun watch. Yeah,
1: they, they really are. They score with the best of them, so. You know, I don't know exactly what the plan is going to be against against the Kings, but just watch out for what might be a high-scoring affair. Hopefully not a one-sided high-scoring affair, but um, I believe the Kings are – are they number one in offensive rating?
0: I think so. I thought I saw that last night during – while they were playing. Um yeah. When I looked at, like, again, it's still early in the season, but you look at the Western Conference standings, and, you know, the Kings are right now seventh. They'd be in the seventh spot, but again, it's it's only 19 or 20 games, um, and, you know, Suns are out on a big stretch right now. The Warriors are still kind of, like, dawdling back and forth. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it's interesting to to kind of watch that play out over there, but um they could still give you a a freaking headache every freaking night just with the way they shoot the ball so yeah. um it defensively is where they've really struggled this year the warriors mm-hmm. um what do you what are you feeling with this stretch how confident are you can <laughs> i i mean i don't even want to ask could they could they come out of this with a winning record just how confident are you in this stretch how are you feeling
1: I, i'll give you a record i'll give you a record in a second i'm i'm not feeling very confident and that's with, I think Chris Paul being ruled out for mm. Wednesday's game. That's with Cam Johnson being out. I think his injury. I'm pretty sure that's more of a long term thing. But I almost said 0 and three, but I think I'm gonna go. I think I'll go one and two these next mm. three games, and I think the win comes in Sacramento on Sunday.
0: Yeah. See. I, I'm with you too. like at first blush, you look at this and you go, this is the Owen three stretch. This could be the one that you're like, oh, crap, when they come back. But I feel like when we get to these again, we get to these games where you step up in class. This is where the Bulls tend to put on a show. And yeah. I have a feeling one or maybe even two of these games, they could end up putting on a show, um, which would be great. Like, I'll say this if they come out of this, even with one win, I think I'd feel pretty good. Like if they come out of this with a win against, you know, Sacramento, maybe are competitive in the other two games. I think I'd feel okay. I feel all right. You know, I know at that point you're, um, you know, 10 and 13, but you dodge a bullet coming out of a, a road trip. Right. And I mean, you look at it as a six game road trip and you come out of it. Three and three. I mean, that's, that's not terrible. Um, so yeah, I just have a feeling there's going to be one of those games where they put on a show for us and, and keep us still hopeful and believing because that is what happens when you have teams that hover around the 500 mark. That is the sign of middle of the road NBA team. And that's where the Chicago Bulls are right now. And again, we kind of knew this coming into the season. So Yeah. yeah, that's usually how these go.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I think, um, to your point, even if they, they drop these next three games, you hate moral victories, but if, if the effort level is where it was against the Milwaukee Bucks and Boston Celtics uh, last week, it makes it a little more easier to stomach, I guess, is the way I'll put it. But I'm not not too confident. Not too yeah.
0: confident. It'll be interesting to see, like if um, I I know this if they come out and they sneak out with a win in Phoenix, um, I have a feeling that that will get kind of. I think people will be a little more, little more juiced up heading into those last two games. Maybe my my opinion might change.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: You know, but I mean that's that's we ride this roller coaster, man. That's how it works.
1: It feels like we're in that same same kind of pocket we were last podcast where they had just beaten the Celtics and we we're looking ahead to Milwaukee and we we're like, they're not going to win this game. And we're going to be right back talking about a nasty stretch <laughs> as we were before when they went on that four game losing streak. But man, this team has been kind of Jekyll and hyde So we'll, we'll, we'll see what they, what they have in store for us. Uh, yeah,
0: absolutely. But... And, and, you know, in our next episode, we'll be getting into some other games and, and just kind of give people a preview, um, in December, we're looking when the Bulls get back home on December 7th, they get the Wizards, the Mavericks, and then a road contest against the Hawks and then home against the Knicks. Uh, and I think actually that's a, a home and away with the Knicks. They get home with the Knicks. And I think they go away to Madison Square Garden by mid-December. So is it'll be an, interesting, be an interesting stretch there.
1: The um, it's actually... The- There'll be back-to-back games at the United Center. It's strange. Oh, yeah. no, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I got that yeah. wrong.
0: Yeah, two home games against the Knicks. Wow, that I've never seen that before. <laughs> Me either. Usually it's home and away. That's why I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a home and away. No, you're right. It's two yep. home games. Yep. Back-to-back against the Knicks. That's so interesting. <laughs> like, imagine if you played that. So it's December 14th, December 16th. Imagine if you played that like 14th, 15th, that would be really entertaining. Oh, yeah. I would, that that would have been really cool. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that'll be interesting to see that. Um, You know, so, man, these schedule makers did just made a very, they made it very intriguing for the Bulls prior to the new year. So maybe, maybe they tried to flip the script compared to last year, right? Because last year it was like hell down the stretch. Maybe, Maybe they were just trying to do them favors this time around.
1: Yeah, but even the stretch closing the season is is not. <laughs> it's, it's it's got some nasty ones in there too, man.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's just us interpreting this too as, hey, the Bulls are nine and eleven, so all yeah. these stretches just suck. <laughs> it's
1: it's wishful, yeah, it's wishful thinking. I think it's wishful thinking. Um, yeah, man, just just going back to how things just fell off the cliff last season um, in terms of the competition level and, and what this team was missing with, with uh, a certain someone being out of the lineup and a, another certain someone being kind of a shell of himself. So uh, 9-11, kind of don't even know what to expect from this team on a night-to-night basis, but we're here for the ride.
0: Well, and and one little bit of news before – we we leave for the night. So, uh, Sham Sharania did say tonight, I guess, on one of uh, his appearances. I know he he's popping in on a lot of different networks these days. Um, but he did say that the Bulls and Lonzo Ball continue to be hopeful that Lonzo returns, quote, at some point after the calendar flips to 2023. So, fingers crossed, possibly.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm holding my breath till the, the all-star break.
0: Yeah. I, you know what? That again would make things feel maybe a little bit better. And, and maybe then you definitely want to see it through. So uh, real quick, Drew, are you going to be popping in? um When, again, I, I know they're on the road right now, but will you be popping into the, the UC when they get back home at some point or.
1: I'm not sure. Having Um, I haven't gotten a formal formal schedule just yet, but I'm I'm looking at possibly that that one of those first two games when they're back, either that Wednesday against Washington or that Saturday against um, Dallas, if not both, if possible. We'll see. Uh,
0: well, I for for your sake, I hope you get the Dallas one because then you get to see Luca, which would yeah. be great. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, again, you can follow me at mgentil88 on Twitter. Uh, drew at look what drew did drew you also have instagram
1: yes i do same same tag same, at, look same. What, mm-hmm. at look
0: what drew did the, the best tag and handle out there i love it i don't know why it's just it, it's very clever um rebuildable <laughs> is at uh rebuild underscore a underscore bull on twitter at rebuildable pod on tiktok and we're gonna have more preview videos coming out here soon actually this episode you'll probably get a heavy dose of it yeah and it's gonna be interesting stretch bulls fans so with drew stevens i'm mad gentile hopefully everything goes well and catch you next week thank you for listening to the rebuildable podcast be sure to check us out and subscribe On Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.